Chapter 17 of the romance novel Good Enough. This chapter is called Beef Bourguignon. The last few days of September were about to slip away, and Eva spent Wednesday continuing to stock the shelves. She began with some of the French shipment, as the shop staff worked in the warehouse. Her day revolved around dropping the children to school, ferrying the two women up to the warehouse, picking them up for the lunch breaks, bringing them back up, collecting the kids from school and collecting the staff again. By the end of the day, Eva felt like a hackney cab driver without the payment. The stock was almost sorted in the warehouse though, so at least on Thursday, they would all be working with her in the shop. Hannah had managed to knock over a beautiful earthenware French urn, with Eva trying to hide her bitter disappointment. The urn had cracked in two and could be glued back together Perhaps she could sell it as seconds at sale time or use it for holding umbrellas or something. She fretted that she needed to get a childminder sorted and fast. That evening, the kids were bickering at home again and it took all Eva's willpower not to lose her cool. Her own long day wasn't helping her patients either and she struggled to stay calm with them and tried to get them to sort their differences amicably until bedtime. Sometimes she felt like she was living in a zoo and she couldn't hear herself think with the raised voices screeching and squabbling. With so much going on, it was just too much for Eva to be handling them by herself and trying to get on with work as well. They needed someone with them after school who could give them undivided attention. The courier arrived down to the store on Thursday with a selection of the American pottery, some wall hangings, a few rugs, prints and sculptures, and the staff set to work on finding suitable places on the shelves and the walls. In the afternoon, Maggie started working on computerising the inventory, and by the end of the day, Eva was very impressed to see that she had set up one spreadsheet for warehouse stock and another for shop floor stock. Maggie showed her how to add items to the warehouse database, and then move them to the store database, and eventually mark them as sold. She had left a column with provision for pricing, so the stock value could easily be calculated. Eva studied it and congratulated Maggie. She played around with it for a while and then asked Maggie to show her how to insert another column. She then had a column for stock cost next to stock price and began to fill in what some of the pieces had actually cost her. There were no prices to enter yet though. She went back to her business plan to see what she had put in for markup and saw that it was very vague. So armed with a print-off of the database, Eva headed home and spent the evening with a calculator, baffled by percentages, as she tried to work out an appropriate markup, taking all the costs into consideration. Yet again, the children were acting up. Tension was building amongst them all, as Eva's concentration was persistently interrupted by Hannah complaining about Luke. Sending them to their beds early for the second night that week only meant that instead of being angry towards each other, the kids were now angry with Eva. Friday morning saw her having another meeting with her accountant, who looked over her calculations and did a bit of rejigging so that by lunchtime she had her pricing worked out. Rushing around in the afternoon, collecting staff uniforms, organising a float for the till, rotas for the staff break and lunches, and collecting the kids meant that it was after three o'clock before she had any lunch herself. Helen was going to be looking after the kids when she got home from school. So Eva got them changed and gave them a snack 
and waited at home with them until she arrived. She had asked Helen to cover on Saturday as well, but she knew that this could only be a temporary arrangement because Helen was now in her final year at school and would soon need to be studying for exams. When Eva arrived back at the store, she discovered that her last US shipment had arrived into the warehouse from Plymouth. There was no time to break it down in the warehouse as they would be closing at five. So she had no choice but to get the courier to bring it straight to the store. Maggie and Michelle set about unpacking with Maggie taking the inventory and adding it to the shop floor database while Michelle tried to find appropriate places for all these spoons on the shelves. That's all that was in the shipment. 500 beautifully shaped wooden serving spoons made from cherry wood. Michelle placed several pairs of them in serving bowls, but there were still so many left that in the end, Eva just got her to shove them back in the box and squeeze it into the storeroom at the back of the shop. When 5.30 arrived, Michelle bolted for the door with her social life coming well before her loyalty to her new job. There was simply no enticing her to stay on longer, even with Eva trying to tempt her with double pay. Eva was thoroughly disappointed with Michelle's attitude just ahead of the shop opening, but at least she could rely on Maggie. The pair of them worked away together until Maggie had to leave at eight, and then Eva found herself alone in the shop, almost ready for opening for business the next morning. Her notice on the window read, opening 9am, 1st of October, and she wasn't quite ready yet. The mixture of fear and excitement was paralyzing. She stayed on for another hour herself, and it was almost nine o'clock when Eva heard a knock at the door. It was Viv and Daniel. This was the first time that Eva had met them together as a couple, and it looked so strange to see Daniel's arm comfortably slung around Viv's shoulder. Viv gushed her enthusiasm as Eva showed her around, and Daniel was equally complimentary and was most impressed with the wall hangings, even saying that he might buy one himself. They left after half an hour, and Eva moved a few more things, having one last look around before locking up for the night. Helen had the kids in bed, so Eva walked her home and stopped to chat with her mum, Nora, for a few minutes. They lived a couple of doors down, but didn't know each other very well, as there was such a gap in age between their children. It was in desperation that she asked her if she knew of anybody locally who might be interested in childminding after school for a few hours and on school holidays. Eva couldn't believe her luck when Nora said that she'd love to do it herself, as she now had greater freedom with her own kids practically reared. She said that she could do with the extra money with college looming for Helen the following year. They agreed that in future, Nora would collect the kids from school and mind them until Eva finished work, and she would do some Saturdays too if Helen wasn't available. Knowing the child minding after school was sorted was a tremendous relief. Returning home, Eva opened a bottle of wine and then went upstairs for a long soak while she sipped a glass of Sauvignon Blanc in the bath. She then picked out her clothes for, for the morning and decided that she would wear her classic black Max Maris trouser suit with a plum coloured silk v-necked top underneath. Sitting up in bed later, she went through the printout of the shop database and began writing out the price for each item on a roll of stickers by hand. It took ages and Eva eventually dropped off to sleep at around one in the morning. Saturday morning came and Eva was up at cockcrow. 
She showered and tried to eat some whole wheat toast, but could only take a few small bites. Her stomach was churning with a mixture of excitement and anxiety. This was it. Opening day had arrived. Helen was barely in the door at eight to mind the children for the day before Eva darted out. It was early and traffic was light. Everyone sleeping in on Saturday morning, except for me, she speculated. Turning the key in the shop door, Eva unarmed the security alarm and drew her breath as the warm sunshine of the first day of October illuminated her treasures from Paris, Sorette, Perpignan, the Bay State and Nantucket Island. White shelves were laden with blue and white dinnerware, huge white platters, Mediterranean-inspired salad bowls and jugs splashed with colours of peppers, chilies, and sky blue, various-sized terracotta pots and dinnerware, chunky, earthy-coloured mugs and storage jars lined the walls. Salt and pepper sellers, paired in groups of white, blue, and red, proudly signalled the flag of their homeland. Intricate copper sculptures stood spaciously on one unit with the light bouncing from one to another in mesmerizing patterns. One a ballerina and another a lone fiddler, they seemed to dance and play in choreographed unity, guided by golden battens held by the rays of the sun. The porcelain seagulls with their pebbles and seashells were at home amongst the nautically themed pottery of North America, and even the lone blue deck chair with its emblazoned white, red and blue life boy setting it off, looked fitting in the corner. Wall hangings filled any spaces between shelves with their delicate fibres intricately woven into abstract patterns and embellished with delicate strips of silk in vibrant indigos, sophisticated teals and understated greys. Eva set about busily applying the price stickers and carefully putting each piece back in its place until Michelle and Maggie arrived to help her. They were both wearing their plum-coloured polo shirts with black denim jeans and looked ready for the day ahead. Opening the door at 9am for the first day of business, Eva was delighted to see Daniel bounce into the store and eagerly choose one of the wall hangings that he'd admired the night before. Daniel, you don't have to do this. Eva was half embarrassed and just a little teary. Eva, they're beautiful and besides, it's a present for Viv, so there you go. Daniel replied, handing over his platinum card. Eva nervously negotiated her first credit card transaction, and then it was done. First sale of the day. Meanwhile, two prospective customers had walked in off the street, and Michelle and Maggie had greeted them warmly, but didn't approach them. Remain visible, but unobtrusive, Eva had instructed them. Nothing was more off-putting than a salesperson with the demeanour of a sweeping eagle. One of the customers browsed for ages and bought nothing, and the other one purchased a large Mediterranean salad bowl with a set of cherry wood serving spoons. By noon, things were really getting busy, and sales were being rung up at least every 10 minutes. There were lots of browsers and plenty of compliments. Michelle and Maggie staggered their lunch breaks, with Eva wolfing down a sandwich in the back office with a cup of lukewarm coffee. Closing up at half past five, Eva warmly congratulated the ladies on a great day's work, and happily surveyed the gaps in the shelves from where some treasures had departed. PR Guy had called in during the afternoon and expressed his enthusiasm at how busy the place was for a soft opening, though he seemed much keener to flirt with Michelle than to discuss business with Eva. His job was almost done anyway. 
he had got the word out quite effectively with the flyers and the well-placed ads. And now all that remained was for him to plan the official launch for the 1st of December and to keep up the momentum of the online campaign. He was looking after the Facebook and Instagram accounts for now, but Eva knew that she needed to get to grips with those as they would be handed over to her as soon as she had the time to take them on. And in the meantime, she was paying for that service. In fairness to him, he did buy a set of salt and pepper sellers. Alan's mother had called in and bought an earthenware pot. She was such a genuinely lovely lady, but there was no sign of Alan. Not that Eva had expected him to come, but she felt let down that he didn't. With the store closed for the day, Eva eagerly tallied the takings and was relieved to be well ahead of target sales. She did the drop off at the bank and headed home with a Chinese takeaway to celebrate her first day of success with the children. Sipping a Sauvignon Blanc after dinner, Eva curled up on the couch alongside Hannah and Luke to watch a talk show. She let them stay up late and eat ice cream, and they seemed to be getting on better than they had been during the week. She kept thinking about the sales of the day and the fact that other people liked her stuff too. The relief was almost overwhelming. It had been such a long day, and Eva was looking forward to taking it easier on Sunday. Maggie was going to open up, and Eva wanted to make a proper lunch for the children before she went in later in the afternoon. She cooked beef bourguignon, made the way her dad had taught her. He had been such a great father to her and David. It must have been so heartbreaking for him to see his own wife go from a vibrant, active woman, full of the joys of life, to a shadow of herself as she had battled with cancer. He would have been so proud of Eva now, and it was sad not to have someone that close that could really share in the joy of her success. David would be home from California at Christmas time, and she had given him a virtual tour of the shop on the iPad, but it wasn't the same as having family support nearby. Viv, Fiona and Elaine were the sisters she'd never had, and she knew that they were proud of her. Eva got the dinner on good and early on Sunday morning, giving the beef plenty of time to yield itself while she headed to the park with the children. The beginnings of fallen leaves crackled underfoot as they walked. Luke had brought his football and raced ahead, kicking it, as Eva held Hannah's warm hand until they reached the swings and slides. Relaxing on a park bench, Eva observed as a couple cautiously guided their toddler in a climbing frame. He was so obviously their first child, being minded so preciously like the priceless gift he was. There seemed to be a good few parents on their own too, and Eva wondered how many of them were like her, with no one special waiting for them at home. A couple of hours of fresh air later, they returned home, with hearty appetites and their dinner was hungrily devoured. She knew that beef bourguignon was one of the kids' favourites. It was comfort on the plate. Despite Eva's longing to vegetate on the couch with the newspaper for the afternoon, she headed into the store with the children in tow. A nice steady flow of customers had been keeping the tills busy all morning, and later, when it began to ease off, Eva let Maggie head home early finishing up the last hour on her own. Hannah and Luke had seemed happy enough to watch a movie in the back office while she worked. Curling up on the couch at last with the Sunday papers, Eva hadn't felt as relaxed in months. The children were tired after the day and went up to bed without any fuss, and Eva sipped a large glass of Cabernet as she settled in to watch a hospital drama that was more about relationships than patients. The dark good looks of the main doctor were reminiscent of Sebastian. 
looking at the character on screen. She felt a little lonely and thought how lovely it would be to have Sebastian beside her for company. She missed having somebody to cover the cuddle up with. Her next week set a pattern for the remainder of October. Days disappeared, with the business going from strength to strength. Mondays were usually very quiet, which gave plenty of opportunity to restock the shelves and place new orders. Then trade would rise steadily for the remainder of the week, with Fridays and Saturdays being the busiest. With things going so well, Eva decided to experiment and set up a section of some speciality foodstuffs. She ordered vacuum-packed olives, some jars of olive pastes, and a selection of olive oils and decorative glass bottles from France. She ordered little olive oil dispensers, dissimilar to the stainless steel oil canister that she had bought back from herself from Paris. From Nantucket, she ordered jars of cranberry relish, cranberry glaze and jam along with a simple cookbook that gave ideas of how to use them with food. She also ordered more candles, which were cranberry scented and had dried cranberries pressed into the wax. Everything she ordered, she would covet for herself. And so far her taste was appealing to plenty of customers. Placing the orders was easy as she did it all online. There was no problem with time difference and she could shop whenever she liked. Eva worked hard all week and would pick up the kids from Nora by six o'clock each evening. Turning around to cook a meal as soon as she came in the door was the last thing she wanted to do after standing or running around for most of the day, but it had to be done. Needless to say, her meals were getting simpler by the week, with pasta and rice appearing every second evening. School lunch making was a loathe chore. Try as she might, she often couldn't muster up the energy to make them the night before. So she was usually in a rush in the morning to get that done and get the kids out to school on time. Every second weekend, the kids were with Alan and she was getting into a routine of enjoying the time she had to herself now. With Saturdays being so busy at the store, she found it hard to stay away from it when Luke and Hannah were on their weekend at home with her. But Maggie was more than capable of managing and calling in extra staff when needed. Eva's first staff crisis had come to a head when trying to arrange rotas for the October bank holiday weekend. And it meant that she had to recruit some more part-timers. Maggie had previously asked for the weekend off, but Michelle had been looking for it too. With the kids off school and the child mind on holidays, Eva had no alternative but to ask Alan's mother, Mary, to come and mind them. It was strange when she stopped to think about it how her relationship with her mother-in-law had actually grown closer since her separation. Mary was a pure dote of a woman and arrived with a freshly baked round of brown bread, pots of her blackberry and apple jam. Nothing like a thick slice of the moist loaf, thickly spread with butter and smeared with the sweet jam for a lovely homey start to the day. The store had never been busier than the first bank holiday weekend. Where were all these people coming from? It was as if anyone who came to the restaurant next door also took a wander around her shop and sales were through the roof. Eva had made several attempts to get something to eat during the day, but all she managed was half a sandwich. It was nonstop all day long. They were answering questions, ringing up sales and taking orders for Christmas already. The ordering was something that had just started to evolve all by itself. People would come in and say that they wanted a number of items wrapped and presented in a basket ready to pick up closer to Christmas and it was still only October. Eva's head was spinning when she closed the door at last and she was on the verge of exhaustion. 
She'd been on her feet for practically the whole weekend. And by the end of business on Monday, she knew that she couldn't face another day like it and would have to agree rotas well in advance in future. She would need to have more staff that she could call on and needed to have a contingency in the event of staff members being sick as well. She knew it had been a great day of trade, but as the figures totted up, she could see that incredibly they'd taken in the equivalent sales of four regular days. Feeling like her head would burst with the list of things that she still had to do, she headed home where Mary had a heartwarming stew ready for her supper. It was lovely to come home to some adult company. Mary brewed up some tea after dinner and offered to stay over for the night and Eva gladly accepted and relaxed while Mary sorted the kids for bed and read Hannah her story. With the children on midterm break from school, Mary offered to take them out to the farm for a few days and Eva jumped at the opportunity. The rest of the week was busier than usual too because of the holidays, so it was great to return home in the evening and not to have to cook dinner. The children happily stayed with their grand for three nights and she brought them back in on Friday and minded them at home while Eva worked. Guilt was getting the better of her and she abandoned her shop for a couple of hours in the afternoon so that she could go home and have lunch with them. Why was it that she was the one who felt guilty when she did her best to be with them as much as she could? Every time she thought of their father now, she began to feel more and more resentful towards him and felt it harder to hide when he called to pick up Hannah and Luke. Heading into November with two full-time and five part-time staff, even more than needed all of them. The part-timers were students and only interested in a couple of shifts a week. Between days off and rotating staff for working on weekends, they were just about covered. Eva was getting more and more confident with using the account software on the computer, and she was confidently placing and confirming orders online too. She followed Elaine and PR Guy's advice and got a development company to set up an online store for her on her website and was beginning to see sales coming in from there too. Eva usually checked her emails first thing in the morning at the shop and had been keeping in touch with Elaine with details of their New York break. They had decided to book a long weekend trip for the last weekend in November and Eva would be taking Thursday until Tuesday off work. Viv wasn't going to be joining them for the break and seemed to be spending most of her free time with Daniel. Not that it bothered Eva anymore. She was too busy with the store for going out at the weekends but she would have to regain some sort of social life by the new year. And surely Viv and Daniel would be past the living in each other's pocket stage by then. The thought of a few consecutive days off was keeping Eva going. Planning was everything to ensure that there would be adequate staff cover in her absence. The timing for the trip wasn't the best with the official store opening set to happen on the 1st of December. She'd only just be back, but with the tickets paid for it, there was no backing out. The kids were so looking forward to it, and it was, after all, to celebrate their birthdays, which both fell in November. They had been thrilled at the idea of going on a big trip instead of having a party. Eva was beginning to feel exhausted, and having Sundays off wasn't enough to recharge her every week. Even the thought of just sitting on the plane for six or seven hours appealed to her now. Just to do nothing but flip through magazines and relax would be an escape. On a mid-November Monday, Eva arrived at work and was checking the emails when her heart raced to see an email from Sebastian. It read, Belle Eva, I apologise for the long time that I have last written to you. 
Like you, it is a busy time of year, getting ready for the ski season to begin and work is crazy. I think of you often and long to see you again. I sincerely ask that you come to visit me at the ski resort in Camerac for a holiday with your children when you can. You will love it. Love, Sebastian. It had been weeks since Eva had emailed him and she was sure that her hasty reply had put him off. She had thought of him often and had tried to push romantic notions to the back of her mind. Now, here he was, just as busy as her, and inviting her to come and visit. He had even signed, Love, Sebastian. Eva read his words over and over until Maggie and Michelle arrived for work. It was the only thing on her mind for the remainder of the day, but she was going to give her replies some thought this time. And it wasn't until the store closed and things were quiet once more that she replied. Dear Sebastian, you are never far from my mind and I would dearly love to come and see you. My new shop has gone really well so far and we are very busy too. I don't know if it is possible to come to see you soon, but I will look at my options and let you know. Love, Eva. She knew in her heart that as much as she would love to go to see him, there wasn't a hope of arranging a skiing holiday. The store was like a demanding new baby and she was the overprotective mother. It was hard enough to hand over control for her New York trip and things would only get busier coming up to Christmas. She did, however, browse the internet for a while, checking on flights and dates, indulging a fantasy she knew couldn't be lived out anytime soon. Work was busy and Eva was delighted with it. But because she now had to pay a childminder for after school and holidays, she was finding it very difficult to stretch the allowance that Alan gave her to cover all her costs. While her store was doing well, she was foregoing payment, paying herself a salary for the first year, as her accountant had advised. With no additional income coming in for herself yet, she was forking out for the childminding, and on the support that she was getting from Alan, it was proving very tight. She was having to make cutbacks and was missing out on things that she would once have taken for granted and didn't want to touch any more of her inheritance. Eva approached Alan about the child support arrangement and he seemed agreeable enough on the phone. But a couple of days later, he called her back and said that no, he didn't think that was fair and he wouldn't be paying any extra. Eva was furious. What with complaining about the extra weekends she had asked him to mind the children and now not willing to chip in for the minding expenses, she was livid. She kept her cool on the phone to him, but straight afterwards phoned her own solicitor to make an appointment. He couldn't have it all his own way and Eva wasn't going to let him wash his hands of his responsibilities that easily. So he could have his job and not have to pay anything towards childcare expenses? Well, that seemed grossly unfair. Looking back at what she had originally agreed to, she felt a little foolish. She had been more than fair when she had gone through the bills and running expenses for the house and had perhaps been too modest. She had even offered that she would begin to cover half the mortgage payments for the house as soon as the store was doing well enough to pay her salary. But where was she going to be left when the mortgage was paid for? It had been her money that had paid for the deposit on the house in the first place. The support that he was paying was not enough and going forward it wouldn't be enough to see them through college or pay extras for school tours or birthday parties or whatever else came along. 
As for the custody arrangements, he should be available to do more. What were his parental responsibilities? All he was committed to was every other weekend, and that gave Eva very little time to herself. Much as she loved her kids, she would like to look forward to the odd break or holiday on her own. She knew she was entitled to a lot more, and she intended to go after at least what she needed. Within days, she had a meeting with her solicitor and outlined exactly what she now wanted from Alan. Her solicitor advised her that what she was looking for was reasonable and well within her entitlements. However, he did warn her that Alan could make things very difficult. She would have to be prepared that if things couldn't be sorted amicably, they may have to pursue her demands through some sort of mediation process. With childminding costs eating into her budget, Eva was being frugal with the grocery shopping and hadn't been getting her hair done as frequently as she used to. Why should her standards slip because he was now off living a bachelor lifestyle? There was something really wrong with that. Some of her savings had been used for the shop fitting and initial stock, and she wanted to leave the remainder aside for her children, a legacy of her parents that she wanted to pass on. The running costs of the business were now being managed with the overdraft and the income that was beginning to come in. So she decided to get the accountant to look at the books and see if the business would be in a position to start paying her a salary sooner than scheduled on the plans. With only a few days to go before the weekend in New York, Eva finalised arrangements with PR guy for the launch party. He was a right little schmoozer and was forever flirting with the staff in the store whenever he called in. But when it came to business, he was a smooth operator as well, which more than compensated. Again, he had placed some well-positioned ads in print and online, announcing the upcoming official launch. And while he had been putting pressure on Eva to get a celebrity for the opening, she had decided against it and would cut the ribbon herself. They had a significant database of customers now built up who would be officially invited to attend, along with the staff and some of Eva's neighbours and friends. PR Guy was going to have a professional photographer there on the night to take some snaps for follow-up publicity. And he told Eva that she'd have to wear something amazing. They agreed on a caterer and a budget and a few other small details, and it was a relief to hand over most of the responsibility to him.